Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. I am obligated to forget what they've done. Estoy obligado a olvidar lo que han hecho. Perdonar es olvidar. To forgive is to forget. You ever heard somebody say that to you? Forgive is to forget. Que si te digo, what if I told you, la clave para vivir una vida justa y exitoso no fue a través del recuerdo, sino a través del olvido. What if I told you that the key to living a successful, righteous life wasn't through remembering, but through forgetting? Que si te digo, si tienes mal memoria, la harías muy bien. What if I was to tell you that if you had a bad memory, you would do good? <laughs> so many people are taking vitamin B12, I think, to have a good memory. But Now listen very carefully. Uh, yo dije olvidando. I said forgetting. Not ignoring. No ignorar. There's a difference between forgetting and ignoring. And if I could pause for a second, because some of us think that we have this great gift to forgive people when really we don't forgive them. We just ignore what they did to us because we have an issue with confronting folks. Because if I'm going to forgive somebody, there has to be some type of confrontation. And we think confrontation is supposed to be violent, but confrontation isn't violent. Confrontation is, hey, you did this to me. You know, Matthew 18 says, if you have an odd against your brother, you go to that person and you tell them. There's a confronting. So and when somebody does something to you, and I hear people time and time again tell me, Pastor John, I have a gift. It's easy for me to forgive people, but yet I continue to hear you bring up the incident, you probably haven't forgiven that person. Amen. You just ignored what they did to you. Amen. But we have to look at some great scripture in, in Philippians chapter 3, 13, because uh, people tell me, look, I don't have the capacity to forget some of the horrific things that have done have been done to me. Can, can I get an Amen. There's just some things that have happened to me in my life that I can never forget. But you'll do well if you could forget. Philippians 3 and 13 says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, a lot of us love to use this scripture in the context of the things that we've done. 
You know, I used to be a rascal. I used to be a thief. I used to be a liar. I used to be a drug dealer. I, I used to be uh, loose and wild. And, and we like to use this scripture when it comes to forgetting about stuff that we did. Amen. But what about forgetting about the stuff that people have done to you? That's in the past also. Well, wait a minute. No, that pastor don't refer. That, that pastor, that scripture don't refer to what people did to me. That only refers to what I've done to people. See, Paul said this, the one thing that I do know, I haven't got, I don't know everything, but there's one thing that I do know, and I forget those things that are behind me. I forget about all the stuff that I've done to offend other people, and I've also forgotten about the things that people have done to me. Forget. But I'm going to help you guys out today. Amen. Amen. See, there's this definition of forget that we think Forget means one thing, but it's not. I'll give you the definition of forget. So when I forgive somebody, I can forget what they've done. And let's listen to the definition of forget. Forget means to omit mentioning. Sin mencionar. It's to leave unnoticed. Como si nunca hubiera pesado. It means... To not mention it, not to bring it up. Notice it doesn't say to wipe clean from your mind. Oh, hopefully you're, you're, you're getting this, okay? Forgetting doesn't mean that I have to wipe clean that which was done to me. I, you know, people say, I never will forget. You know, I'll never let that go. No, this is what it's saying. When you forgive somebody, you can forget what they've done, which means I don't hold it against them. I omit it. I won't bring it up. That's what it means to forget. And this seems like a perfect place for me to pause and remind us of something that uh, the Bible says. Uh, la, la Santa Biblia dice, si algo está en Jesucristo, lo cosa viejas han pasado. Y e aquí todas las cosas son hechas nuevas. If any man be in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things, all things, old things are passed away. All things become new. Those things that people that have done to you, they've passed away. They've been forgotten. Let me give you a new perspective on the grace of God. If, if you guys can follow with me, according to Micah chapter 7, verse 19, and, and we get this, you know, people say, look, man, when God forgives you, he throws your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. This is the scripture where we get it from, Micah 7 and 19. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So I don't know if you remember and if any of you ever heard this, you know, when, especially when we're trying to minister or evangelize to people like, uh, God can never forgive me for what I've done. I've sinned. God can never. I've done some very heinous things in my life. How can God forgive me? And you say, listen, man, God forgives you. Everything that you've done, God is taking and he's throwing in the sea of forgiveness, never to bring it up again. And we get this picture of God saying what, you know, like and I've heard pastors say that you go, but God. I murdered somebody. God goes, I don't remember that. You've repented. I, I, I don't see that on your record. That's not the case. 
We've been taught that on judgment day, God has wiped our slate clean. That's not the case. If we learn about what forgiveness and forgetting is, God didn't forget what we've done. God ain't going to forget what we've done. Let, let me help you out. Do you know that Jesus, to this day, is seated at the right hand of the Father? The Bible says that the holes are still in his hands. The holes are still in his feet. There's a hole still in his side. Why? To remember. The sins that we've done to him are still in his hands. We're the ones that put him on the cross. He ain't going to forget what we've done. But here comes a new perspective of grace. According to our definition of forget, God doesn't wipe our slate clean. He just doesn't hold our past against us. No, don't jump. Don't shout. Maybe some of y'all were born saved. Maybe your mother gave birth to you over a baptismal pool and you fell out. You were baptized as soon as you were born and you came up speaking in other tongues. I don't know. Maybe that's you. But me, for me, that wasn't me. I got a past. And I've been forgiven. But I'm going to share some with you. God ain't forgot all the things that I've ever done. But he has forgiven me, which means he's forget it. And it means that, watch this, he doesn't hold my past against me. But if any man be in Christ Jesus, all offenses, all sins, all iniquities are overlooked, not mentioned, and they're omitted. You guys ever watch a court, a court, people aren't going in trial. There's a court trial, it's going on. And then somebody will stand up and they'll give this evidence. What about this evidence? And the, and the, judge, the judge looks and he goes, no, we have to omit that. Yes, I know it happened, but we're not going to hold that during the trial. We know that he was a drunkard. We know that he abused people. We know that he was a drug dealer and a drug addict. We know that, but I choose that the court will omit the things that we know. <laughs> Listen, saints, that's what grace is. Grace isn't the fact that I wipe your slate clean. Grace is the fact I know what you've done. I know who you are. I know how vile you are, but I choose not to hold that against you. Now that's grace. Gracia profundo. Sabes lo que hice y todavía me perdonas. You don't know what I did, but yet you still, I mean, you do know what I did, but you still forgive me. You choose not to wipe it clean, but you see me for the wretch that I am. As Paul said, that which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I want to do, I can't do. Who will save me from this body of death? Jesus Christ can still see my sin, but he chooses to forget, to admit it, to not hold it against me. And because God has done it for us, he calls us to do it for our brothers. Dios nos dice que hagamos lo mismo con nuestros hermanos. Until we forget the sins that have been done to us, we will never fulfill Philippians 3 and 14. And this is the rest of the scripture. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I can't move forward 
until I forget what's been done to me. Until I will no longer hold people in prison in my heart. I can't move forward until I forget. Until I choose not to, until I choose to omit, to not mention, to leave it out. I want to help you guys with a young man in the Bible. His name was Joseph. And I encourage you guys to read this story if you haven't. In the book of Genesis, it starts out around chapter 37 and it goes all the way to 50. Can you imagine one person's life is taking that many chapters to tell about his life? And most of the story about Joseph is about the wrongs that were done to him, not by some people he didn't know, but by his own kin, by his own brothers. And I have to tell this story briefly, but I'll share enough so you can understand. Joseph was his dad's favorite child. He was the youngest. He stayed up under his dad. He had other brothers, 11 brothers, and his brothers despised him. So what happened? His brothers rejected him. They stripped him naked. They threw him in a pit. They left him to die. And then they decided, well, we can't do that to our brother. So then what do they do? They turn around and sell him into slavery. They carry him off to Egypt. He gets to, to Egypt and because he loves his dad. And his dad taught him about the Lord. He honored God in everything that he did. So he said, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave that I can ever be. And then he served there and he served under Potiphar and he's helping Potiphar out. And Potiphar's wife, she was fast and, you know, she, she liked the purity that she saw. And how many people know? And, and, and just if I could take a side note, young ladies, I just want to share something with you. Why do so many men want to be after you? Why do all these thugs want to do things? Because they see the purity in you and it's evil. It's by nature that a man wants to taint your purity. If you realize the pureness, and, and this is for you young men too, because young men can be pure also. God wants you to keep that purity to be without blemish, without spot or wrinkle. And see, the enemy wants to taint that in you. And that's why they're after your, your purity. They're not after uh, your, your good looks. They're not after uh, how well you can do things or how nice you dress. They want to taint your purity. Potiphar's wife saw that Joseph had a purity about him and she was drawn to that purity. But Joseph had a standard. Joseph had integrity. He served his God. And, and, and when she tried to get at him, he said no, and he ran. He ran. And because he did what's right, of course, she lied on him and said, he tried to rape me, and Potiphar got upset and threw him in prison. Let me back up a little bit. Now, you have to understand, this kid had never done anything wrong but honor his father. Betrayed by his brothers, thrown into prison, are uh, in slavery, thrown into prison. Now he's in prison. They forgot about him. Why he's in prison? He 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 does a couple of things. I don't want to tell you ruin this, the movie, the story. Joseph, King of Dreams. Watch it. It's on Netflix. So he goes through all this trouble, betrayed because of his brothers, but because he had a standard. Because he loved the Lord God. God gave him an opportunity. Now, mind you, you can read all these chapters, these 13 chapters. You could read them in a matter of 15, 20 minutes. But this took place over 10 to 13 years of his life. Whew. Ain't nobody in here got that. 13 years of his life. But then it goes on in Genesis chapter 45 and 5. And this is when, see, uh, Joseph got it. He got 
lifted up to a high place because God gave him a vision and he was able to tell the vision of Pharaoh because Pharaoh was troubled by this dream and God gave him a prophetic uh, voice to be able to tell uh, uh, Pharaoh what it meant and Pharaoh uh, uh, raised him up. He was second under Pharaoh, which they call the father of Pharaoh. So here he is, a, a, an Israelite in the land of heathens, but yet he is second under Pharaoh. And during the time there's a, fa a famine in the land and, and Joseph is sitting there and then we got Genesis 45. Now the same guys that sold him out, the same guys, his brothers that betrayed him, have to come to him. Sounds good, doesn't it? Some of y'all sitting there going, look at God. The people that betrayed him now are in the hands. And you're like, okay, Lord. But Joseph says this, but now, don't therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Uh, here's a godly perspective. Um, it's something that we need to have when we're betrayed. But he goes on to say in seven, and God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity for you in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler throughout all of Egypt. Let me pause for a second. So some of y'all right now, if you were in that situation, after you got done saying that, you'd be like, guards, you're going to do at least 13 years. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a double for your trouble. Some of y'all in here would start speaking King James just to justify it. The Lord hath delivereth thou enemies into thine hands I shall now smite thee because we justify that we start quoting scripture to the people that hurt us touch thy not thine anointed and do thy prophet no harm we begin to pray and ask God to go back and do something to the people that have hurt us but if you look at Joseph and you see 13 years he went through hell and high water 13 years in the first moment he got to see his brothers he realized because of the relationship he had with God it wasn't you that sent me here it was God that used you to put me here to save your life later on does anybody in here know what it feels like to be rejected anybody know what it feels like to be alone does anybody know what it feels like for somebody to attack your character? Yes. Yeah, Joseph knew too. But Joseph knew deep down inside that God all this time had a plan for his life. That's why he kept his integrity. Some of us have given up on God in our situations because somebody's done something to us and we can't see God in it. And because we get so focused on self, we forget about God and we're like, start asking God, why did this happen to me? Mm. I have to share these things because, let me share a story. I, I don't like talking so much about myself, only to my wife, but I, I have to share this because when, when I got saved, I, I thought everything would happen. You know, people say I get saved, old things have passed away. Behold, I become a new man in Christ. You know, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to be walking around. If I give my whole life to Christ, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to walk in prosperity. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff and didn't realize because I didn't read the word of God and know about suffering. And, and then I found out one day I, I'm sitting at work and the Lord, the spirit quickened me to begin to pray. And I, the Lord said, pray somebody's sick. At least that's what I thought he said and, and I read the word and in, and in John chapter 4 said this sickness is not unto death this is a true story this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God and I'm like my God 
who's sick, Lord. My car was facing the, the, the east. The sun was rising. I got out of my car and got on my knees, and I began to pray, and I said, God, uh, whoever it is, touch them right now. Lord, give them strength. I heal them. I send the word to them. And by your stripes, you were healed. And then later on, I had a doctor's appointment. And I go into my doctor's appointment. It was just a normal, routine doctor's appointment. And for some reason, I had just a little bit of high blood pressure. They wanted, because I knew the nurse, she wanted to do an echocardiogram. She does an echocardiogram on my heart. And they go, have you ever passed out? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I do good. I run miles. I'm, I'm strength. I'm, I'm fast. I, I'm, I'm good. And... And she goes, wait a minute. She goes, get a cardiologist. They come in and they're like, they sit down and go, have you ever? And I'm like, no. So they're like, we got to do more tests. So they start running all these tests. I'm like, what's going on? They're acting like, dude, you could die at any moment. They're like, listen, I have to tell you something. You have cardiomyopathy, which means your left ventricle is really big. And, and from what we're looking at right now, your heart is operating at only 20%. So I'm like, God, you were talking about me. So now, you know, going through this whole thing, they're looking at me. You got to get a defibrillator in your chest. You got to do all this. Your life is never going to be the same. You got to take all these medications and, and all this stuff. And then my lifestyle is going to be different. I can't eat this. I can't that. No salt. You guys, come on, man. Can you ever try to eat fried chicken with no salt? Oh, come on, man. Jesus, please. So I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I'm suffering, God. I'm suffering. I need y'all to hear this because I've sold my life out to God. I've given him everything that I had. I've given him my life. I've given up a job. I've given up a house. I've given up everything to God. And I said, God, why could you do this to me? I am your servant. I have sacrificed everything that I have. Why would you allow me to be sick? God said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. No, 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 no. See, what you didn't realize is through the sickness and prolonged sickness, there's things that come along with that. There's a lot of psychological issues that you got to deal with with prolonged sickness. So depression sets in and, and anxiety because every time, see, your heart might skip a beat and you're like, oh, my heart's good to beat. My heart skips a beat. I'm like. anxiety and, and depression and, and sitting in a house, let alone I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran and, and I deal with these things. So I got all these things up on me and I realized I'm like, okay, God, and God has just given me all kinds of great vision. And then the other day, it all came just, just years of depression, years of sickness, years of fighting and battles and struggling all came down to one pivotal moment. And it was the Joseph moment. It was the moment that I was able to sit down because all the suffering that I had to do, that I was able to stand in front of somebody that was de depressed somebody that was low that was dealing with some things in their lives and because I had went through all this suffering and all this struggling I was able to minister to a person from a place that no I would have never been able to minister yes I've been depressed yes I've contemplated many things yes I've had anxious yes I feel like nobody knows what I'm going through and then when I was able to minister to them I was bringing them joy I brought them hope and I brought them strength in the Holy Ghost because I've been through it listen saints some people will betray you. Don't ask God, why am I going through it? You just ask God to give you some extra strength. And then one day God says, this is not for you. This is for somebody else. You got to look outside yourself and understand that God has brought you through the storm to minister to somebody that might not make it. Hallelujah. People in here are betrayed. Yes, people are going to betray you. They betrayed Jesus. And you ain't better than Jesus. Lo 
love what Joseph said to his brothers. He looked at him, Genesis 15 and 20, or 15 and 20, he says, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Watch this. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people. Yeah, you're going through it. You're going through it. God, listen, watch this. And don't get it twisted. God didn't set it up for you to be trade, be tested, and all that stuff. That, God didn't do it, but God allowed it to happen. And God could use that which has been meant for harm, and he could turn it around for your good. People are talking about, why, why does God let things happen? Why does God? Because first of all, this is a world full of sin. It's a fallen world. It, everybody, the Bible's clear on it. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. There, there's tornadoes hit. They kill unsaved people and saved people. Why do little kids get leukemia? Why do little kids and babies get, get hit and people abuse them? Because that's this world we live in. We got Adam to thank for that. Praise him. But saints of God, Listen, a man born of a woman is yet but a few moments and full of trouble. That's every man, born again or not. But God has given us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's given us, watch this, so that we can get through these issues, so that we can see, saints, listen to this, so that we can see that every issue and problem that we go through, it's not all about us. And then when, when it's somebody in our lives and it's somebody that, that's close to us, like Joseph and his brothers, when somebody does something to us that hurts us so bad, that look, we can't hold it against them. We have to set them free, not for them, but for us. Because if I sat down right now and dwelt on all the things that I've gone through and everything that's happened to me, I'm never going to get anywhere. I would have never been Pastor John. Because I'm too busy worried about why am I sick and why am I messed up? Why am I this and why, why, why? Then we sit down and we think about the stuff that, that, that people have done to us. But let's think about the Apostle Paul. Everybody loves the Apostle Paul. Everybody, the Apostle Paul's a great man. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He had awesome revelation directly from God. He spread the gospel all through Europe and Asia, and, and, and he did great things. But do you guys realize that Paul wasn't always Paul? Paul's name was Saul. And Paul was the person that did a lot of bad to Christian people. Do you, do you realize that Saul persecuted more Christians than anybody else. When I mean person, he killed them. Saul. Do you realize also that the Christians back in those days feared Saul more than they feared the devil? They're like, hey, the devil's underneath our feet. He can't do nothing. Saul, oh, we need to run and hide. It's in the Bible. It says, and Saul was consenting unto uh, Stephen's death. They stoned him. He was stoning people. Can you imagine how Christian families felt, members of the Christian community? Can you imagine how they felt when they heard that Saul was coming? He's the guy, watch this, that left families without fathers or mothers. He left parents without children. This dude killed people that were serving the Lord. 
They did nothing wrong. Nobody came to their aid, but they died for the sake and the name of Jesus. And Saul was being used to kill these people. Can you imagine what they hoped? They probably were praying and saying, Lord, I'm going to stand and stand still and know that you are God. Kill Saul right now in the name of Jesus. He is harming your people, Lord. The fight is yours, Jesus. Come on, I'm just saying some of the prayers y'all be saying when somebody does something wrong to you. Kill him, God. Get him, Holy Ghost. You guys ever said that about someone that's hurt you? Oh, you got some real Christians over here. They were like, yes, last night. You ever prayed those things or said those things about somebody that murdered your joy or assassinated your peace? Have you ever comforted yourself with the thoughts of what God is going to do to the person that hurt you? I'm seeing a lot of smirks on y'all's faces. Yeah, some of y'all right now, you remember back in high school or somebody, remember that girlfriend or boyfriend that hurt your feelings? And you see them now and they ain't doing too well? Like, yeah, huh? You're comforted in that. You're comforted to know that your enemy, the person that did you wrong back in the day, is now doing terrible. And you have the nerve to go, look at God. guys know what God did with Saul? He met Saul, the persecution, the persecutor of his people, the murderer of Christians. He met Saul on the road to Damascus. I, I don't need, maybe you guys don't understand this. Saul was on his way to Damascus to go find the Christians to murder more of them. He was on his way to do dirt, to kill God's people. And God met him on the road to Damascus and knocked him off his high horse. I can imagine that off in the distance there were some Christians watching. And when they seen Saul fall off the horse, they were like, Lord, thank you for anointing the horse to trample on his head. For the devil is underneath my feet. Lord, use that horse right now in the name of Jesus. Trample him, God. He was on his way. And guess what? The people in Damascus knew it. They were hiding. They were preparing for the coming of Saul. But God sent a message to the people in Damascus. And he said this. He said, but the Lord said to them in Acts chapter 9, 15 through 16, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. The one that was persecuting God's people, God turns around and says, he's my chosen vessel. God didn't handle that the way you would at all, did he? We sit down. I'm telling you, saints of God, when people do us wrong, we want God to get revenge for us. 
How would you feel the person that ripped your heart out, the person that assassinated your character, the one that backstabbed you, the very one that may have uh, done the unspeakable, unmentionable thing to you that God turns around and says, he is my chosen vessel. Not only did God knock Saul down, but he picked him back up, he healed him, and he called him. Saying to God, I got something to tell you. God has a purpose for your betrayer. Uh, yeah, you didn't like that at all, did you? That, that stings. Ow. Woo. Do you realize God formed him? God created him in his image. The same way God created the person that offended you, he created them in his image, and God has a purpose and plan for them also. You guys, you guys think Jesus made a mistake by keeping Judas around? Do you think Jesus just didn't know? He's like, no, I didn't know that Judas was a thief. I wouldn't have put him in charge of the money. He's God. He knows everything. And he, and he knew it because he goes, look, there is a purpose and a plan for him. How do I know? Because when God prayed, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, I've kept them all but one. Because he knew that there was going to be one that would betray him, one that would come against him. He knew it from the beginning. From the very beginning, listen, you guys, there's some people in your life that literally are going to be your Judas, and you can't hate them. Why? Because if there was no Judas, there was no betrayal. If there was no betrayal, there would be no cross. And if there was no cross, there would be no forgiveness of sin. There has to be a Judas in your life to propel you into the position that God has called in your life. Some of y'all need to stop cursing the people that done stuff to you. You need to be sending them thank you cards. If it hadn't been for you backstabbing me, I wouldn't be as close to God as I am right now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> How many people in here can walk up to the person that hurt you and go, hey, thanks for ripping my heart out. Appreciate it. Thanks. No. We can't. Saints of God, listen. I need you to listen very carefully. We have built a prison in our hearts. Got to, it's a prison, level four. Get right there. For people that have betrayed us and hurt us. And we are putting them in there in our hearts. And guess what? They don't even know it. Matter of fact, they probably don't even realize that they hurt you. But we are holding them in our hearts, saying to ourselves, uh, mm -mm, they never get nowhere. They're going on with their life. And you holding them in your heart ain't stopping them. It's stopping you from moving forward, pressing forward to the higher calling of Christ Jesus. You can never find your future in your past. Mm. So many of us in here want to be used by God. How many wants to be used by God? We pray about it. Use me, Lord. Use me, God. Let me give a prophetic word. I want to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I want to go over to people and tell them a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. I want to be an evangelist, God. I want to do all this. But see, none of us want to sit down and say, God, I want to be somebody's Judas. But you have been. 
God has used you. Every one of you in here has used you to hurt somebody, to propel them to the plan and position that God has called them to. You were used by God the same way Joseph's brothers was used by God, the same way that Judas was used by God. You too have hurt somebody and pushed them, and it was their decision, either pushed them to Christ or pushed them away. You'll never get what God has for you looking backward. That's why behind you is called behind you. That job you got fired from, it's behind you. That mistake you made before you came to church, that's behind you. But even more, the same way God doesn't hold your offenses against you, we shouldn't look back and hold on to the offenses done against us. We have to choose to forget. I didn't say wipe it clean. I'm saying omit it. Leave it out. When that person that hurts you, when you see him, don't hold it against him. Just choose not to hold it against him. Because when I go on that day of judgment before the Lord and I stand before the righteous judge to be judged, he's going to look at me and look at my record. And he's going to see that I was a thief. He's going to see that I was a drug dealer. He's going to see that I was a whoremonger. He's going to see all these things. He's going to look at my record. And then he's going to turn and look. But he's going to see Pastor John R. Butcher Sr. in Christ. Because if any man be in Christ, he's going to see and it'll be covered by the blood. He'll look at, he'll look back and he says, I know what you did, but because this evidence is here, I won't hold it against you. I choose to throw it out. I choose to admit it. I choose not to hold it against you because you have been found innocent because the blood that covers you is innocent blood because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price and you're in Christ Jesus. And I can't be in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus is going forward and I can't be in him if I continue to look back and not choose to forget that which has happened to me. Forgiving, forgetting, and not looking back isn't for people that hurt you. We forgive and forget and we don't look back so that we can move forward. As I bring this to a close, I'll share a testimony I think it's relevant in this case is because of the person I was before I was saved, I had really good friends. And I had friends that were doing better than me. But I was good at something. I was good at robbing people. And it got to a point where I had a friend I got jealous of how good he was doing. And I robbed him. A friend. A brother robbed him. Took everything he had. Got away with it. But some years later, I'm talking years later, I ran into Jesus Christ. And I repented of my sin. And I remember <laughs> calling my friend from back east and said, hey man, when I get home, I need to talk to you. He's like, what you want to talk to me about? I said, I just, I need to see you. So when I got back out of the military, I went to go see him. And uh, I was at a store. He had a home store. And uh, 
said, hey, man, I got to talk to you. It's not a problem. Just come in the back. I was like, uh-oh. And I get in the back, and he takes me back out in the alley. <sighs> and I was thinking to myself, whatever I'm about to get, I deserve. And what he does is I'm standing there. He goes, hold on for a second. And he just waited. I'm standing out in the alley. And all of a sudden, a car pulls up. This car pulls up. It stops, and this other guy gets out. I know the dude. He's a hitter, if you guys know what that is. He gets out, and he's standing there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, this is it, God. Everything I've done is going to turn back around and happen to me. And I looked at him, and I said, listen, man, before you do anything, I just want to tell you for what I did, I'm sorry. I never should have done that to you. You didn't deserve it. And he looked at me and he says, man, I forgave you a long time ago. He said, I knew what you did wasn't you. But because of what you did, it's caused me to move forward in my life. You caused me from the thing that you did to me. I chose not to hold it against you. I chose to move forward, not holding it against you. And when I heard that, it hit me. God, you use me as a Judas. You use me as a Judas to propel somebody's life forward. And there's some of you right now that you have been a Judas. But you're so busy looking at what's been done to you that you can't realize you've done the same to somebody else. And God said, listen, I need you to stop looking at yourself and look at the plan and purpose I have for you. I need you to forget that which was done to you. Don't hold it against them, but know that I will use what's happened to you for your good, but my glory. And some of you in here are asking, Pastor John, how can you forgive people for doing so wrong? There's been some pretty heinous things that have happened to me, and there's been some pretty unspeakable things that have happened to me in my life. I remember these two scriptures, and it's this. The first one is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ has forgiven you. I know I've been forgiven of much. And when I know that God has forgiven me of much, it's easy for me to turn around and forgive somebody else. And the final one, the second one is this. This is what helps me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Those that love him do his word. And if I do the word and forgive and forget, God has something for me down the road that I can't see, I can't imagine, I haven't even heard about it, it hasn't even entered in my heart. God has great things for those that love him. God has great things for those that do his word that will forgive and choose to forget. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.